the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Howard 2, Stephen Tubbs show, Randy Corcoran from Saturday. It should be a very, very interesting Saturday show because we will then know what the D.C. judge, the toughest J6 sentencer, a woman who was appointed by Barack Obama, worked for a law firm that was uh, appears to be very democratically aligned and associated with Hunter Biden, will be determining whether to shut Donald Trump up. And there doesn't appear to be any evidence that he plans to have any of it. We shall see. Before we go to our great guest, let's just hear from President Trump live yesterday in New Hampshire. We have this deranged lunatic looking at us, and he's got a very nice man, a very gentle man. Our guy leaks. He does things that are just terrible. And because of that, we're leading by a lot. Because, frankly, I think it's had a huge impact because it shows how sick and how evil these people are, in addition to not knowing anything about the border, about the economy, about the military, or about dealing with other nations. So this is all about election interference, but that isn't quite good enough. Crooked Joe now wants the thug prosecutor, this deranged guy, to file a court order taking away my First Amendment rights so that I can't speak. So listen to this. We don't want you to speak about the case. The case. The case is is a ridiculous case. It's a First Amendment case. But we don't want Trump to speak. So they want me, they take away your rights on First Amendment. Now they sue because they're, so now I have one of these lunatic reporters back there saying, Sir, we'd like to talk to you about your case. Or, or, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Somehow that's not good for votes. Do you agree? When we say, I can't talk, I'd love to, t- I will talk about it. I will. They're not taking away my First Amendment rights. Man, oh man. Those are going to be fighting words. I hope there are, well, there won't be cameras in there. But I'm sure we will get the fresh off the press transcripts quickly after that Friday hearing. And uh, what a face off. This looks like it's going to be looking forward to Saturday night to talk to you all about it. But we're here on Wednesday night. We've got uh, the Colorado State chair newly elected. Well, it's not so new anymore, man. It's August. It was March when the election was held. And we just got through our first state assembly meeting not the annual one, but a special call to elect a new vice chair. That was pretty fascinating. Dave Williams was at the helm, and he joins us now. Good afternoon, Chairman. Yeah, thanks for having me, Randy. Sorry, I'm sorry I screwed up the title. I met Comrade Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I've been called worse, but that's cert- that was certainly a first for me. Wow. I just, you know, we had John Eastman on in the first hour, and we talked a little bit about the Prop 108 lawsuit, and I went through this Colorado Sun opinion piece where just the name-calling and the misrepresentation is so out of control. How do you, is there any way, is there any strategy to, to get through that? Are there enough, you know, conservative outlets and that sort of thing where, where the word really can get out to people? You know, the press is always going to be against us, and 
and then by extension, those who go to the press and want favor from them, like Dick Wadhams or or Mario uh, Nikolaius, like these these guys, they they want the status quo. They want us to continue to lose under the under the rules that the Democrats and left leaning unaffiliated established for us, especially with 108. And we we have to ignore them. We just have to ignore them and move forward and try to reclaim our First Amendment rights and strike down 108 through the courts. You said a word that never shows up in the commentary on an issue like Prop 108 or this opinion piece from from Mario, um, who, by the way, can't spell my last name. I know it's very complicated. But um, the Constitution, Prop 108 is unconstitutional. Why isn't that the end of the debate? Because Mario wants what he wants. He wants um, he wants us all to be left leaning, uh, you know, or at least subject to left leaning politicos, so that the government can continue to grow, so that he can have more, you know, favor with the establishment media and the political pundits that currently rule our state. Um, he's the type of guy that would say it's perfectly fine for two wolves to vote uh, to eat the uh, the sheep. And that's democracy, and that's how that's how it works. But you know, in this country, we have something uh, that's distinct and important for us to maintain, and that's the minority right. We uh, certainly respect the will of the voters, but they don't get to vote away our rights, especially the ones enshrined in the Bill of Bill of Rights, like the First Amendment. So, you know, ultimately, what this comes down to is that there are a group of folks who want to maintain their political power. They want to maintain the paychecks that they grift from donors with their silly campaigns, and it comes at the expense of average, hardworking Americans and the Republican Party. And we're not we're not going to tolerate it anymore. And they hate it. They have to squash it. Uh, Dick Wadhams has gone so far as to refer to you as comrade. Uh, Mario writes about uh, people like Dick Wadhams and John Caldera proclaiming the party apparatus a corpse. Why don't they bring their vast experience and their vast records of success, especially the recent successes that they can just lay before us to show us the uh, error of our ways in trying to maybe chart a new course? You know, the, these guys, they, they talk so much but deliver, deliver very little. You know, these guys have been, you know, talking for several election cycles how if we just listened to them, we would make, we'd get to the promised land. Uh, instead, we're going back into the arms of of, um, of Egypt, if you will, to take an analogy from the, the Bible. Uh, these guys, um, they have an agenda, and their agenda is to only enrich themselves and their influence and their prominence. And we have to quit listening to them. You know, they, they make money, they gain more influence, the more we listen to them. And I think after three election cycles where we've done open primaries, we could finally close the book on, on, on it not working. We got to we got to get back to when Republicans elected Republicans, and they don't like it. Talking with Colorado State Chairman Dave Williams, and Dave, I'm you know sitting here on seven ten KNUS, and I'm a little troubled by the direction of this conversation because I've heard two very I don't know um, charging. Um, uh, what's the word that they love to use now? Triggering words that I don't know if we should talk about quite so freely. You said both Constitution and Bible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, these guys, you know, they they would love if we didn't talk about those things. They want us to simply talk about uh, economics and some other, you know, issue that won't really resonate, but it's at least safe for them and they won't feel uncomfortable about it. Uh, ultimately, if we're going to win, we need to start being bold in our approach. We need to not apologize for who we are. And we need to tell the voters, this is what we're going to do for you based off of what they want. You know, instead of, you know, listening to Dick or John Caldera or Mario or anyone other pundit, you know, we should be concerned about the issues the voters care about instead of imposing what we think they want to talk about like they do all the time. Um, You know, I don't want to take away from the successes of the past, but they're in the past. And for recent history, at least for a decade now, the Republican Party has been struggling under their leadership. And we got to we got to move forward. We got to we got to say thanks. But we're going in a different direction. There doesn't seem to be a realization of the nature of the political battle that we're in now. It's not just politics as usual. It's not my ideas are better than your ideas. It's not certainly that we want to win, you know, both sides, we want to win. But if you win, then we'll just work hard to sort of moderate your positions and and, and not advance so far. This is an absolute takeover. This is the tipping point. This is full out war. Look at the summer of, you know, the George Floyd summer and the cities that burned and the lawfare that's going on everywhere. And it seems like some of this old guard stuff is just more of the same and you do more of the same. You're going to get more of the same. Right. I mean, that's absolutely correct. We are dealing with Democrats, not of the past, right? Not, not reasonable Democrats. I mean, if you want to, if you really want to look at a reasonable Democrat, then you can look to someone like Robert, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Who is actually trying to be reasonable, but even his own party, you know, which is filled with radicals, are trying to shun him and not even give him a chance to compete with Joe Biden. The days of those kind of Democrats are over. You know, we're dealing with hardcore communists, actual communists, despite what Dick Wadhams may say about me or others. The real enemies are in the legislature. They're in Congress right now, and they are trying to strip um, everything that we know about our nation uh, down to to the ground. And we got to fight them. And it's not it, we can't do it by being nice. We have to fight these people because they are stealing our money. They're stealing our freedoms. And if we don't stand up to them, those of us who are in power, if we don't stand up to them, then they're going to get they're going to get to to the people and they're going to dismantle everything that we know and love. We can't allow it. And once again, at this stage in Colorado, what do we have to lose? I love I love when the the people who've been you know, shouting from the rooftops, moderate, moderate. If we just did the right candidate, Joe Day, the perfect candidate for Colorado. And I like Joe Day personally. I really enjoyed some of the time that I got to spend with him. But to have a Republican on a pro-life platform come out and want to codify Roe v. Wade, and that's going to keep Republicans invested in trying to bring unaffiliateds and more Republicans to the table, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. It will never work. And why should it? Who would want it to work if that's the result? Yeah. And I and I feel bad for people like Joe Day to, to an extent, right? I think really what he suffered was a bunch of grifter consultants who are looking for a paycheck every election cycle. And so they find 
someone who's wealthy or well-to-do, and they always convince them, if you just listen to us, we'll make you a governor, we'll make you a senator, we'll do this, that, and the other. And in the end, they lose, and then the grifter consultants, the strategists, they earn more and more money for themselves. We have to stop listening to these guys. We have to start realizing that we're not going to win if we keep doing what we've been doing. And I, I just don't know how many election losses we have to suffer, especially under an open primary, before we learn, hey, maybe we should you know, do something different. Colorado State GOP Chair Dave Williams is with us. You brought up money, and I addressed this Saturday night. I addressed it last night, but it came up again at the uh, – last night I was filling in for Stefan here on the show, I mean. It also came up at the Tea Party meeting. I don't know if you heard any of this. You were pretty busy last Saturday at the assembly. But the one of the things that uh, – or criticisms I got for being a part of the Prop 108 lawsuit was that John – Eastman and I each got $50,000 from the broke GOP. (laughs) Why do they have to lie about stuff like that? Now, the number $250,000 came up, and and I mentioned that earlier in the show. George Brockler said that that's a number that you gave on his show. And, of course, if, you know, this case goes through appeals and all the way up to the Supreme Court, you could easily spend $250,000 to go all the way there over several years. But in no way did John or I create an expectation or a demand or get any cash up front to try and get this thing started. In fact, we've paid the filing fees so far. Right, right. And I want to make it clear to everyone that you guys and many others are are really putting the time in without without actually seeing a dime come your way. We're going to certainly pay our way as we go, and we're going to make sure that uh, you guys aren't out of pocket you know, beyond your time. Uh, but ultimately, if we do go the distance to the, color, uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court, then, yeah, it could very well cost us a quarter of a million dollars. Um, but we're going to fundraise that. You know, it's yeah, it's going to be hard and we're not going to have all the money up front, but it's worth it. You know, it is absolutely essential. and It's worth it. And I and I fear that people, you know, I don't I don't want to say it's George or anything, but I fear that there are people out there who don't even want us to try. You know, oh, it's too much money. It's too much of a commitment and we should just not do it well what's your alternative like wh- what do we got to lose number one as you pointed out earlier but number two what's your alternative we are losing more and more ground and we got to start fighting for it and it's not going to be simple it's not going to be pretty and we're not going to have all the answers at once but you know damn it we're going to try and have a damn good time doing it and, and enjoy the gnashing of the teeth and the pointing of fingers and, and see how I don't know how you can top comrade Dave, but <laughs> but I imagine there's some, you know, Satan, Dave, I don't know that flyer that went around that beautiful color, shiny flower that all of us on the central committee received in the mail with you smuggling boxes into the into the into a basement. I can't believe why, you know, you'd think they'd want to use some money to maybe try and do something good like, uh, you know, support HH or or whatever needs to be done to stop the stealing of Tabor. But they're so desperate not to lose the gravy train and not to lose control of this party that has just been killed over the last few election cycles is stunning. Yeah, the establishment Republicans, uh, you never see them this vicious against Democrats. They only ever want to fight conservatives. They only ever want to fight the grassroots. But when it comes time to actually take on Jared Polis 
instead of you know being vicious and calling him out and fighting him, they want to hug him. They want to talk about how he's wonderful. They want to talk about all the things they were able to do in a bipartisan way with the guy. And it's sickening. You want to know why we lose? It's because of feckless leadership like that that only wants to earn um, credibility with our enemies rather than calling them out. We're going to win once we actually start going toe-to-toe with Democrats. And, you know, sadly, past leadership just hasn't done that. This Colorado Sun editorial draws on another false premise. And here's what, what is said. It means donors closing their wallets and leaving the GOP coffers so bare they could not pay staff or rent. I didn't plan to ask you for a second um, segment. I know you've got small kids and very, very busy. But do you have time to stick through a break and address the finances of the party on the other side? Sure. All right. We have you, Sam. Let's do that. Let's take our pause here at 522. Colorado State GOP Chairman Dave Williams stays with us. I hope you will, too. We're going to address the lie that donors have cut off the GOP and, you know, can't pay the rent, can't do this, can't do that. And uh, find out some of the real truth when we return on 710-KNUS. Well, that's depressing. But life is for the living, and we carry on. Welcome back. Stephen Tubb Show, Randy Corcoran from Saturday Nights, 527. Dave Williams stays with us. Real quick uh, pitch for our very own blues brother, Jimmy Sangenberger, his Jimmy Jr. Blues Band, playing tonight at the Wide Open Saloon. My buddy Todd Hills, fantastic place. Biker bar, sure, but it is great for the family as well. And Jimmy's out there from 6 to 9 in Sedalia. You can look it up. But, uh, man, I went to my actually my first time going out since the passing of my wife was to go support Jimmy and Parker, uh, which isn't too far from my house, and their band rocks. They'll be at the Wide Open Saloon from 6 to 9. I hope you will join them. Getting back to Dave Williams, Colorado State GOP chair, the financial report that was released at the state committee meeting last Saturday was terrifying. And I, I don't remember if you were on the executive committee back when Christie took control. But as I recall, uh, Ken Buck and the Cory Gardner campaign uh, put a, left a good amount of money for the Colorado State GOP. Was it was it close to two hundred thousand dollars or right around a hundred thousand? Were you there? Do you remember? I vaguely remember I was there uh, for a time. Uh but I, I want to say it was about 200000 plus. Yeah, I think so. A, a big chunk from Cory Gardner's campaign after he closed up shop. But uh, we were told with the new administration coming in that we would have $100,000 to get the, you know, kick things off, get things off the ground. And while there was money in the bank, it turns out that it was money that was already spoken for. Yeah, correct. And I I want to stress this to your listeners, especially now that we were able to give a report to our members. We wanted to make sure that the members heard this financial report first instead of uh, it going out to the general public. But now that it's released, it's good to talk about. Um, Essentially, what we saw from the past administration was mismanagement. uh, And that's a generous way of putting it. Um, We were promised that we would have um, $100,000 plus for the incoming administration. Not true. Um, A lot of that money was earmarked and spent as I was walking in uh, to the administration. And and Tom, my treasurer, who, by the way, I want to stress to everyone, supported Eric Adlan. (laughs) He supported my primary competitor. 
And I, um, I ended up appointing him because I wanted, because I, well, I trusted Tom looking at his resume and I wanted to bring some unity to the party. And once we got into it, um, you know, we spent good three months just trying to clean up, you know, messes, plug leaks, uh, deal with, you know, stuff uh, that we didn't expect or anticipate we'd have to deal with. I, in my speech to the committee, I said, you know, the first few months of my administration was dealing with triage. That's exactly what we did. So I didn't have enough time uh, like I wanted to, to devote to call sessions or donor meetings. And we're, you know, we've gotten past a lot of that. And now we're meeting with donors and we're presenting them a plan uh, that's going to help turn Colorado around. We're not going to win the majority because, you know, the past leadership of our state for several cycles has kind of left us in, in a bad spot, but we think we can make gains for sure. And so we're going to compete with, um, with the Democrats and we're going to win some seats and we're going to begin to claw our way out. This is a long-term um, proposition. It's going to take us, I think, two to three cycles before we can get back to some sort of normalcy, but we got to start now. And as we turn the page on what happened uh, prior, we're, we're beginning to now see uh, more and more people donate to our party and, and chip in. There was real detail in the report that was given last Saturday and uh, just amazing things that happened. $45,000 bonuses to employees, health and dental insurance being paid for, what, a year or more in advance for people who aren't even necessarily a part of the party anymore, uh, accounts that you couldn't get access to, people unwilling to give up passwords and other access or even just identify certain accounts, the payroll company unwilling apparently to turn over payroll records so we could scrutinize and audit, you know, where some of that money went. And it's it's just an amazing way to have to start a new administration and a new day for the Colorado State GOP. Yeah, it's tough. You know, you take a lot of shots for several months from these, you know, people that are, they're just awful. I mean, people like Dick Wadhams, Mario, uh, Krista Kafer, some of these other people, they have no clue what's going on, but they want to go ahead and assign blame to a new administration that is just treading water and trying to figure out exactly where all the problems are and, and, and fix them. Um, these guys, truth is, they don't want the Republican Party to succeed. They just want conservatives to fail. And as long as they can maintain their their prominence and their influence, they're just fine with people like Jared Polis being in charge. So you know, if we're going to, if we're going to win, we need to, we need to be honest about where we are. I mean, my uh, hallmark of my administration is transparency. And that's exactly what we did. There is, I guarantee you, Randy, in the 10 years plus that I've been involved, I've never seen a financial, you know, report given in that great detail that really lets you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, But if we're going to succeed, we got to know where we're at. And we got to have a meaningful call to action that inspires folks to to have trust. And trust starts with honesty. So that's what we did. Part of the report last Saturday included the fact that the prior administration is withholding QuickBooks access. What could the possible justification for that be? Well, you know, I'll have to defer to Tom Bjorklund on that one. I mean, he reported to me about that specific thing. I think we got past most of that issue by getting other information where we needed to get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had, 
we had a tough time getting everything we needed just to even file the necessary, you know, FEC paperwork that we need to file, which is every month. And then, you know, we disclosed to the central committee, yeah, we're off by about $90,000 with the FEC, which we reported once we figured it out. And the ironic thing about it is that KBB CPA is the one who told us about it. And it goes back, uh, as far as we can tell, to Ryan Call, potentially goes back as far as uh, Dick Wadhams. Uh, We're still, you know, doing our investigation. We're still uh, doing what we can to make sure we track everything down and reconcile it. But this type of mismanagement cannot go on in our party, especially if we're asking uh, the people of Colorado to let us govern. You know, we have no right to to be uh, in uh, the seat of power if we we can't even have our own affairs uh, taken care of. And we're going to fix them uh, by the end of my term for sure. This is a, a very small piece given the amount of lost and missing or pre-spoken for money that was at stake here. But I thought it was very impactful. For years and years, three storage units have been rented by the Colorado State GOP at almost $800 per month. Tom put up pictures of these storage units. They weren't full. They weren't packed. They weren't organized. Um, One of them looks like just trash, boxes, dirt, and filth. And you guys physically just took the time to clean those out, empty them, and free up that useless, unnecessary. I mean, the junk, you look at these pictures, there's not anything in there that's worth $800 a month. Old chairs, old tables, old, you know, cardboard boxes uh, it, and dirt and filth. And it just how could that go on for years and years and years? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. I mean, that's why we put it up there. We wanted the central committee to see. Yeah, we were spending eight hundred dollars a month um, on these three storage units, which were not filled. And once we learned about it, we, you know, it's, it's a bummer that we got to take our time to do it, but we did. We, we got volunteers, we cleaned it all out and we put it into our, our storage unit with, with our uh, lease, with our, our rental space that we have now um, in Glenwood Village. So there's no excuse for that type of waste, um, especially when we, we could consolidate where we office. And that's another thing I want to point out, you know, what was very uh, troubling to me when we, we discovered this is that it wasn't it wasn't only just bonuses that were paid out to staff prior staff it was bonuses paid out to staff knowing that we um, owe nine thousand dollars to our landlord um, that is unacceptable and you know I don't I can't I can't come up with any reason why uh, we had a balance on our books uh, going two years now. Uh, but we're going to pay that off, and we're going to make sure that our, our landlord is squared away, because under this administration, we actually do pay our bills on time. Colorado GOP Chairman Dave Williams, the one, one of the early rumors after your election a couple of months you know, down the road was that we're being evicted, we're being thrown out. And, and then yeah. we come to find out that the rent was behind from the prior administration that started with six figures and ended apparently with enough money to uh, pay $45,000 or more in bonuses to employees at the end of their term. Yeah. And that's one of the more bizarre rumors about how we're being evicted. It's so demonstrably false and easily disproven. 
Um, we're, <laughs> that's, it's not true. In fact, we were asked to renew our lease. And the person who uh, is our landlord is a longtime Republican, good, faithful guy. And uh, we are working with him to settle the debt uh, that we owe him. And uh, that will be paid uh, as soon as we can. And um, we, we definitely have the money to continue our operations in that building. And we want to. He's, he's been good to us, and we want to be good to him. The debt that was left for you, not the debt that you yeah. accumulated. Yeah. Correct. No, we didn't accumulate this debt. This was from the past administration. Absolutely. Can the Republican Party survive or thrive on small donors? And are you seeing an uptick in small donors? Well, the answer is the Republican Party can can survive and thrive not only on small donors, but, you know, any donor of any stripe. You know, at the end of the day, we have to just simply increase the number of people that can that can give. And the only way to do that is to give them something to believe in. And we hope that through being transparent and honest about where we are and where we've been, um, that we'll, we're going to be able to foster, you know, trust uh, as we give them the way forward. Um, we, we unveiled, you know, the targeted seats that we're looking at at the Central Committee uh, meeting this Saturday. We're going to, you know, continue to make the case to large dollar donors as well as small that, you know, these are the areas we need to focus on while protecting people like Lauren Boebert. And uh, I think you're going to find a lot of success that, you know, a lot of a lot of critics and pundits in the political class, they won't they won't uh, ever give us uh, any chances of winning. But again, 2024 is going to be a better, better year than I think anyone expects. And we're going to make sure that we do our part to make that a reality. It was pretty cool. The meeting started with uh, video welcomes and congratulations to you from Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. And I, I think everybody enjoyed those, all three of them. Yeah, yeah, no, that was great. We invited them to come speak to our uh, central committee for that meeting. Unfortunately, their schedules didn't allow it, but they were gracious enough to send us videos. Uh, I was you know, hey, I was very happy with the positive uh, responses, especially from the two major presidential candidates, Donald Trump and and uh, Ron DeSantis. I appreciate their kind words about me and our administration. But uh, ultimately, I think it's it's always a treat when when you have national figures come to Colorado in some way, shape or form and give us the time of day. And that's that's what we're going to continue to foster for Colorado Republicans. We're going to make sure that we have more uh, of those messages, not only through video, but in person. So we're excited about uh, the campaign and we're going to do everything we can uh, to get all of them here. This meeting, in spite of the controversial Amendment 7, uh, felt so much different than other meetings. All of the vote tallying right there up front, on stage, votes placed, paper ballots pa- placed in glass containers. Um, it just a, a remarkable shift for a, the very first meeting, and I didn't talk to one person who didn't appreciate um, all of the changes that were implemented. So thank you for that. For sure. for sure, you bet. I want everyone to know that in the Republican Party, you have a voice, you have a vote, and you should have trust in our process. You know, we may not we may not have a smooth meeting because we're going to allow debate, but uh, it's only through debate we can get to a good place where everyone uh, can move forward. And, you know, I, again, I don't want to criticize my past 
my past administration, or not mine, but the past administration. Uh, but ultimately, we're not going to win if we try to shut down people and we're not forthcoming um, about about how we uh, conduct our our business. And that's why we did a 180, and everyone can, you know, judge the results for themselves. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong in reporting facts and in contrasting your administration from previous administrations. And uh, we know it's going to get a lot uglier, a lot hotter, a lot heavier before before it gets uh, better. But, you know, that's part of the fun. Politics is blood sport. We didn't get into it because uh, we got bored with tiddlywinks. We got into it because we have kids and grandkids and a country and state that we love and care about. Absolutely. Absolutely. This stuff matters and we need we need more discussion. We need more debate. We need more fights uh, because it will lead us to truth and the truth will set us free. Well, Colorado State GOP Chair Dave Williams, I look forward to the weekend ahead and the weeks and months ahead. And in the words of Mario Nikolai, continuing to subvert the will of voters and destroy the electoral process in Colorado. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I I wish Mario uh, would would get a nice relaxing uh, several weeks and not not worry about dude, things that aren't going to happen. I think the dude needs I think the dude needs an enema to tell you the truth. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you read this whole piece, but he's actually pushing rank choice voting for Colorado. Yeah, because he's a, he's ultimately a leftist, and that's that should give you clue number one why we shouldn't listen to him. So, you know, he's he wants us to be like California. So that's all you need to know. All right. Well, love to your family. Thank you for your time. God bless you, sir. Yeah, you too, Randy. Thanks again. All right. We've got a news break. Lori Kelman is standing by, and we will continue the show, Stefan Tup Show, here on 710 KNUS. Hold the line, the constitutional line, the never back down line, the unafraid to speak truth to power line. That is the name of the game. Randy Corcoran in for Stefan Tubbs. And it's so good to have you here. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. Let's try a little phone action with Brian in Arvada. Welcome to the show. Hey, Randy. I lost you the other day that I got caught up on something. But uh, you know you know what I'm thinking, Randy? The land of the free, the home of the brave. It seems like we lost the brave part a little bit. During COVID, it seems like we were being tested, and, uh, yeah, we didn't do a, quite a good job on that one. Well, Everybody's you know, running around with masks on, complying. I mean, we have to be brave or we're not going to be free. Those those two kind of go together, I'm thinking. But. Brian, I've been seeing what's been happening as just kind of a, a culling of the herd, a dividing line, that you can really begin to separate the sheep from the wolves. You know, in Revolutionary War days, there was no, there was certainly no majority. It wasn't even a, a large minority of people that stood up and said no yeah. to an oppressive king and the most powerful military in the history of the world. So what I'm seeing over time is a growing of interest, a growing of numbers. Even in my little, you know, Arapahoe Tea Party meetings monthly, the it used to be we'd average 10 or 15 people and then 30 or 40 people. And now, you know, it's 70 or 80 people all hungry for ideas and information and direction and different things. 
and it's being exposed in so many different ways in the schools and the the people that have been harmed from vaccines more people you know just dropping dead suddenly and more and more people are waking up well you know it comes from uh, a lot of people i realized during the uh and i i told people i said hey guys you're kind of getting tested they're going to have other people with masks on. You might be the only guy that walks in without a mask, but they're testing. They're, they're, they're testing. Dictators always test to see, you know, what they can get away with. And that's why when everybody shut down their small business while they're watching Walmart grow, shame on the people that shut down their small businesses. They should have gathered together. Now, you know, I know it was a weird situation. It was thrown upon them, but hopefully they learned from it. It would never happen again because you have to learn, not from the far past even, just the immediate path is what I'm thinking. You know, so hopefully people learned. They, they gave us a test. We failed it. During the COVID, we completely failed the test. We cowered down. We disrespected every man, woman who gave their lives for our freedom, and that's what we did. We have to own it. Look in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah, I didn't want. To, I wanted to go get that loaf of bread, but I didn't want to be harassed. Were you That's cowering down? Were you? Listen- I never did, but were you listening? When, were you listening when Colorado State GOP Chair Dave Williams was on? You know, Just- a little bit. Yeah, I was in and out. I had to okay. deal with some uh, grandkid okay. stuff, but. All right. Well, then let me ask. This is going to be a topic in the final hour. I've I've had trouble getting traction on this, but as the presidential debate gets closer and closer, I've got some audio I'm going to play about Donald Trump's position on whether he should participate in that debate. Uh, What's your perspective? Well, you know, Donald Trump is always entertaining. We want to see him there. Yeah. Um, The the people do. But, you know, what what the heck? Go for it. might as well throw all our cards in, you know. It, it is what it is. He might as well go in there and he can just because there's a lot more people that are backing Trump than than what the news will tell you and all that other stuff. I think it would be a good idea, actually. But you know, the only thing I'm disappointed with uh, Trump is Randy. What's that? If we don't abolish the IRS, we'll never be free. Okay. Now think of this: we got the technology to go to a consumer tax. So when you go to buy a loaf of bread, the guy will say, okay, it's either five cents or five cents or 10 cents tax on it. And this is what I can give you. And we have the technology where you go into the store and it can automatically be filtered to the government to give us more freedom. They've been using the IRS against us for like 50 years. And if you're a small business, they can completely use against you and they can shut you down. It's not about the revenue. It's about the power at that point. And then you give the power to them. But it's supposed to be we, the free people. You know, they're, we're supposed to be their boss. Somehow they said, hey, every year you better report to me, buddy. And if you get it wrong and you, you disagree with my politics, well, I'm coming after you. So, you know, if a, if a kid takes a BB gun and he starts shooting out windows, you take away the BB gun. So take away their power on that one. I'd like to see Trump come out and say, you know what? We're going to go to a consumer tax. That's what we're going to do. And this is what I can offer you as far as infrastructure goes and protection of your country, sovereignty of your country. Because then it puts the onus back on the people that you are hiring. For some reason, we got to beg these people. But we're supposed to be hiring. We're supposed to be free. You're not free when you report somebody every year. You're not free. It's that simple. 
So you got to you got to address it. I know people keep saying, "Well, it'll never be done," but it has to be done, or we're never going to be free. Well, I'll tell you what: the first step to be to abolishing the IRS and the current tax system would be is to instead of having automatic withholding, so that people never actually see their own money. I mean, what yeah. a brilliant plan that was. We'll take the money before people ever see it so they won't miss it. And then we'll give them a little refund of their money that they've paid in all year before they actually owe it on April 15th of the next year. Uh, and we'll send some back, and that will keep them happy. You start making people but pay Randy, those. a consumer tax would take care of all yeah, of that. That you're would not hearing, all those you're not problems. Hear, you're not hearing me. I'm saying the first step to doing that would be to have people have to just pay their taxes on tax day and see the real hurt. Anyway, the music's there, Brian. I appreciate the call. Talk to you later. We've got one more hour of the show left, and we're going to kick it off with some Trump truth. Stay with us on the Stephen Tubbs Show, 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.